Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend every single day. My name is Bobby Crell. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today to spit hot takes about games that do not count toward anything is Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? What's up, Bobby? I mean, we have basketball to talk about, but I think the biggest takeaway from two scrimmage games is the tan that Luka Doncic, Maxi, some of these guys, I mean, they're pulling off a tan right now that we're just not used to. They're enjoying being poolside, and now normally that would be an indicator that they're not spending time in the gym. I need my basketball players, Isaac, to be on the practice court from dawn until dusk, okay? Are they practicing free throws or tanning? Yeah, what, what's more important to these guys, Isaac? What's more <laughs> important to these guys? But uh, no, luckily for them, I guess, spending a lot of time in Orlando, you know, ordinarily the NBA is a winter sport, and so we see these guys report to training camp looking very tan because they're all spending time in Aruba, Jamaica, and Kokomo, and all those places. But now they get to tan while they're at work, which for Luca, that's like a dream come true, man. So uh, really exciting stuff. But yeah, I agree. That's a really big development. And Brad Townsend, who is one of the very few media members that was allowed into the bubble uh, covering the team for the Dallas Morning News, he reported that the tans are, in fact, legit. It's not just like a lighting trick because it is kind of different lighting in this gym. Uh, but he he's saying that Luca and Boban, Maxi, and even KP, all these guys are, and JJ Bray as well with the stash, and the stash is very legit. There is nothing fake about that mustache. <laughs> um, these guys are really they're really tan and they're they're looking good. Getting a little uh, spring spring break vibes uh, from the team right now, but hey, they're having fun, enjoying their off days, and practicing the free throws at the same time. So that's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, today you and I are going to talk about the first two Mavs scrimmages. That was a 108 to 104. Might have been 106. There was a layup at the buzzer, but I'm pretty sure it was 108-104 win against the Lakers. And then a game against the Pacers where the Pacers scored more points than the Mavs. So we'll be giving our, uh, we'll be giving our takes about those two games and all they entailed. And I got to tell you, man, there's a lot at stake, these two scrimmages. There's a lot on the line. So we will treat these with the respect they deserve. But first, from local high schools to the pros, we've got North Texas sports covered. And by we, I mean, of course, the Dallas Morning News. And it's more than just the scores, from all the offseason moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, which the Mavs are about to achieve. The Dallas Morning News has the inside scoop on your favorite teams, including the Mavs, players including Luke and KP, and coaches including Rick Carlisle, Jamal Mosley, and God Shamgod. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, touchdown, slam dunk, steal, and sometimes missed free throw as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room and bubble straight to your inbox. Head to dallasnews.com sports in about 20 minutes after this podcast and you can dive deep into all the Mavs coverage coming to you straight from the bubble. Isaac, I guess the big first overall takeaway we're going to try and run down maybe four or five of these bad boys before we get out of here but I'll give the floor to you what's your biggest uh and again you know obviously these are just scrimmages it doesn't really matter nothing really matters in life anyway uh, except for you know loving your family and your neighbor and yourself but uh Isaac from where you sit what is kind of your biggest most important takeaway from these first two games 
Well, I think, I mean, you have to start with Luka Doncic. And, I mean, for for this team to do anything um, to make a big run or to do any type of damage come playoff time, it's going to have to be with Luka at the helm and kind of leading the charge. And I think all of us, I mean, we expected Luka to come in and hit the ground running and uh, be like normal Luka, I guess. But it's just kind of solidifies that watching two scrimmage games you know that first one he played I think what 15 16 minutes uh, in that game and you know this uh, Pacers game he played a little over 24 minutes in that game so uh, slowly ramping up the minutes there and I mean just what 24 minutes that he played he almost had a triple double in that game so uh, against the Pacers and so I just I think that's the biggest thing you walk out of two scrimmage games one, for the most part, everybody's healthy who's been playing. Uh, but two, Luka looks like top 10 player in the league, Luka Doncic. He really does look good, man. He really looks good. And it's it's a possession-by-possession possession thing with him. And maybe this is all stuff that he was doing before the stoppage, but whenever you go four or five months without watching Luka play, every single trip down the floor, he is making something happen. And, of course, he has to because uh, as the lineup is currently constructed, he's really the only guy that is going to be creating – shots for other people consistently you know he's really like your only sort of primary traditional ball handler guys like Tim and Seth can make some plays off the dribble even KP can really move the ball a little bit he can make some passes put it on the floor a little bit but Luca is your source of shot creation and pretty much every time down the floor whether it was with KP in the first game or with Boban and Maxi primarily in the second game he's able to get something done and does he look so I kind of have a, a theory, I guess. Maybe it's not a theory. Maybe you agree with it. That in the first couple months of both seasons, uh, both his rookie season and this season, he kind of looked just like a maybe a little step faster, especially mm-hmm. this year. Like through November, through like the, the Phoenix game and uh, really into kind of like Mexico City right up until he got hurt, he really looked like he had maybe an extra gear that he just did not have last season after the All-Star break. Uh, and, and, and not necessarily just like blazing speed, but just quicker coming out of his dribble moves, uh, crossover between the leg, turn the corner and go and just beat his guy into the paint. And it seems like he was able to really do that very easily at the beginning of this season. And he's been able to show it off a little bit in the bubble as well. Am I wrong in thinking that maybe that like the break helped him in that regard, or has it just been a while since I've seen him play? No, I, I think it. I mean, I think that is true. It, it's just, I think, as he gets further in his career, how long can he keep that going? You know, at the rookie season, towards the end of the season, or you know, going into like um, after when he got hurt, how far into the season can he keep the quickness and stuff going, or will he? I feel like in, in his rookie season, it was towards the end of that rookie season that it kind of slowed down a little bit and. and Everybody started talking about conditioning and all that stuff, adjusting to all this NBA schedule. So I think I think he'll figure that out with this body. But I think for him, it's so he's such a unique player, and that his quickness gets it's not really his blazing speed it's his quickness that catches people off guard because he's such a like a chill guy and you see him just he almost has like the like let's just say like maybe 17 years into Dirk's career maybe 18 years like Dirk just kind of like slowly walking maybe then like hobbling a little bit like Luca already has that down a little bit to where he's just kind of like lackadaisical a little bit and it's like that's where I almost I feel like he's playing like this like mind game on players to where he gets in he gets into the game and they just see him kind of chilling he picks a spot and then bam it's like this sudden quick 
burst of energy and he catches people off guard so fast he gets a rebound then he takes off like whoa okay i've just seen him like kind of you know he picks his spots for his quickness and i think that's what gets players off their feet a little bit yeah and his usage is so high you know like we just said he's really the only guy on this team that is consistently generating uh, looks for his teammates and so there's a lot of pressure on him to drive the lane and he does it just about as well and as as often as anybody in the NBA he's in the top five top ten in terms of drives per game um, but he does a lot of he just he handles the ball all the time and so over the course of like a five six month season like you said you know it can kind of take a toll on him and so can he keep that top gear can he do the LeBron thing where you just like condition yourself into oblivion and really can withstand all the beating and, and everything that goes on during an 82 game season but in the meantime coming out of a break right now I think that's really going to benefit him and not only just in terms of quickness but also three-point shooting and so I kind of had a hunch that his three-point numbers were better in the first couple months of the season and so I pulled it up on the old handy dandy basketballreference.com and sure enough these are very small sample sizes because it's only two seasons and each month only has you know five or eight games usually but in October, that's his best three-point shooting month uh, that he's played more than two games in. Uh, he's above 35% from three for October for his career. And in November, he's at 34.7%, which I believe is his second best month. He has a couple months after that where he's actually below 30%. And so over the course of the season, maybe your legs get a little tired. Of course, this season for what seemed like maybe you know three, four weeks, not only was he hobbled by that ankle, but he was also dealing with that thumb injury or wrist injury or whatever was going on in his hand. And so that probably affected it a little bit as well. But whenever his legs are fresh, whenever he's feeling good, he can really get his legs into those three-point shots. They come with more arc. Uh, maybe he's more willing, you know, more agile going into the step back to where he can get more of his weight beneath him as he takes these shots. And so uh, you know, that could be something that helps him too. And, and that'll be much needed because he takes nine of them a game, Isaac, which is a whole heck of a lot. And currently he's the only starter that for, you know, KP had a slow start, but he, his numbers really caught up. He's the only of the five starters. That's a below average three point shooter in terms of percentage. Mm. And, and he makes it easier for three point shots for his teammates. It's like, I mean, you look at, uh, because I feel like he's made, he's, it could just be me because it's hard to figure it out because of minutes. Like we said, like he played 24 minutes against Pacers and he played in what 16. Yeah. A little over almost 17 minutes against the Lakers. But you look at his three point attempts in those games and he attempted three uh, in the Lakers game. He attempted four, I think against the Pacers. Yeah. Four uh, against the Indian. So I feel like in a sense, he's almost trying to get everybody else going. There hasn't been a time there. There were some games last year uh, or towards the uh, at the beginning of this year to where, you know, he, he shoots like nine or 10 a game and it, a couple step backs you're like, dang, OK, I feel like maybe he's forcing it a little bit. I haven't felt that at all in these first two scrimmage games. I don't know if it's something that he's doing like, hey, I want to get everyone else involved in his his trust and no matter who's out there, like there was that time to in this uh, Pacers game to where he, he ran this like textbook pick and roll with Boban and he kind of weaves in and weaves out. And then he goes in, draws the defender in from the corner hits Antonius Cleveland in the court. It doesn't matter who's out there. If you, if you're out on the perimeter, when Luca drives, you have to be ready because Luca's going to hit you and he's going to trust you to make the shot. Cleveland knocks down the shot. And it's just, that's the type of thing. It feels like Luca can get to the paint at will and he's creating these three-point shots for anyone who's on the court with him. When if he's feeling fresh and if he's feeling quick, then he can put the ball on the floor and attack the basket. He can always get into the lane 
basically whenever he wants to, no matter who his pick and roll partner is, even if he's isolated, but he just has to find the juice inside of him to get in there. And I feel like a lot of his threes, I mean, really this season, my memory is more fresh than it was last season, but uh, this season it feels like a lot of his step backs have come either late in games whenever everyone is a little tired or late in the shot clock after a failed possession where they really couldn't get anything going. But uh, he he has the juice in him, and so he's putting the ball on the floor, getting teammates involved. He's pushing the ball up the floor. They're getting into their offense quicker, playing with a lot more pace, which means the shot clock, is it, it feels like a possession is going to be longer if it only takes you three seconds to get the ball across midcourt than if it takes you seven seconds to get across midcourt. You're going to have way more time to create. And so uh, he's doing a really good job of that. So Luca, I think we can both agree, is pretty good. He is good. He's good. Yeah. But he's okay. not the only Maverick on the team. So that and that's the if we can transition to a little bit to Seth Curry. Yes. I think I mean Seth was one of the biggest takeaways in game one against the Lakers, six of six from behind the arc. He goes into this game, goes two of three. So I mean you do your math on that. He said eight out of his first nine threes in the bubble. So if we can just keep that going, Seth, that is absolutely amazing. Uh so I, I mean I think Seth showing that i mean he doesn't even have to show this anymore but continuing his shooting streak or his high percentage shooting it's also one of the biggest if we want to do storylines coming out of two scrimmage games seth has to be up there yeah so since new year's day he's above 50 percent from three above 50 percent which is i mean that's just like that's video game numbers it's basically your best shooters in the nba this season are duncan robinson and seth curry uh, points per possession, spot up guy. I mean, those two are just like miles ahead of everybody else. And the Mavs have more shooters. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been very good. He's above 40% on the season. Uh, Maxi, who was awesome today. Dorian Finney-Smith is having a career year too, of course, KP. But Seth Curry is the guy that you just cannot afford to leave open. And he's even, he hit this one today against Indy. It was his first shot of the game too. Like he, he had to be feeling pretty good where he gets it on the wing and it's kind of like one of those like sidestep, like you take a dribble to kind of get your defender like rocking back a little bit and then you hit him with a sidestep into the three. It's a very, very difficult shot to make, but it's even tougher to contest because you're already off balance. Maybe thinking that he's going to you know put the ball on the floor and come at you and then all of a sudden he steps to the side. It's like a step back only it's like lateral instead of uh I don't know horizontal instead of you know what I mean instead yeah. of about the z axis it's about the x axis and so um yeah dude he's he's really really good and that's one of the things that like in a playoff series you have to have other guys step up right you know that Luka and KP are going to put up numbers because they're going to they're incredible players and whatever they can they can dominate pretty much any matchup they're going to give you 20 points on a bad day but especially if you're going up against a team like the Clippers or the Lakers, you know, that have a lot of talent up and down the roster, you have to have other guys pop and give you 18, 20 points. And now Tim, Tim is averaging almost 16 a game for the year. Seth Curry is averaging almost 16 a game since New Year's Day. And so both of those guys have been pretty consistent uh, sources of points is kind of your third and fourth options. And now Tim has had a bit of a, a rough restart. His shooting numbers today weren't very good. I think he was like two of 11 or something. Didn't really get a lot of touches in the first game because it was more of Seth and Luca and KP. But it really, if as long as both of those guys are just like having average games, if one of them pops, then you're going to really, really have a good chance to win because you know you're going to get something like 50 points from Luca and KP. And if one of those guys gives you 10 and the other gives you like 
18, 20, even 25 points the way Seth did against the Lakers, then all of a sudden, like, just those four guys combined are giving you like 90 points. And then you, you really don't, you almost don't need any, any more points to win the game. So, uh, and, and, and shooting from three, getting hot from three like that can turn games. If you're down 10, all of a sudden Seth Curry gets hot and now you're winning. If you're up four, Curry hits a few threes in a row, boom, you're up double digits. It's just the kind of thing that can really just like turn momentum. And, and, and those things can decide a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tim Hardaway. I mean, he started the first two scrimmage games here, five of eighteen, and I mean, it, I, you feel like he's going to find his groove uh, eventually. I mean, it's two scrimmage games, but I think it it helps when you see how Seth Curry started. How you look at somebody like Maxi stepping up today with eighteen points against the Pacers, and how many threes they hit in this game? He's four, four of six uh, from three. Maxi was today, so. It's kind of like you, you take those guys, you group those guys together after KP and Luca, and say, all right, I need one of you in a game to give me over 20 or hit, hit a certain mark. And it, you've said this before on this pod numerous times. The Mavericks are so lucky this year because these four guys, I shouldn't say lucky, but like they're fortunate this year that these four guys are all having career years in Dorian, Maxi, Seth, and Tim. So if you can get one, I mean, heck, two of them to give you – 16 to 25 points on a night alongside KP and Luca, their production. That's, that's the sweet spot for the Mavericks to hit scoring wise. Yeah. And you and I both know this team is unfortunately a below average defense as it stands. Now, I think they're what 17th, maybe 18th in the NBA in terms of points allowed per 100 possessions. And there were stretches in this game and now I know like the final score would not be a very good indication. And obviously the third quarter was, was pretty brutal all around, but it was interesting to see them – KP missed this game. We'll talk about KP in a little bit, but he missed this game. And so you had Maxi starting at five, and it was the other, the same other four starters, Luca, Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith. And those five guys were, like, switching everything. And uh, you had Maxi spend numerous possessions ending up on, like, Malcolm Brogdon. And you had Luca guarding Victor Oladipo. I mean, you had a lot of, like, unusual matchups that you wouldn't ordinarily see. You know, ordinarily you think, okay, Luca, we're going to, like – maybe hide him on whatever, you know, the least threatening offensive player. Well, Victor Oladipo is the best player on the Pacers, and Luka was guarding him. But in a, in a playoff series, switching is the best way to avoid turning, like, a, a pick and roll into a four on three, right? Like, if you go over the screen or if you try and, like, go under – like, if you just – if you do other things against a pick and roll – then there's going to be space to exploit. But if you just switch everything, then it's very difficult for the opponent to create any advantage as long as the guys who are switching can hold their own in the ensuing matchup. And that's what makes a guy like Maxi Kleba so valuable as either a center, especially as a center, but as a power forward too, because he can guard essentially three through five on any team, and he can guard some twos, and in Malcolm Brogdon's case, he can even guard some point guards. I mean, you have to have because he's six foot ten, six foot eleven, something like that, and he's got hops and foot speed. You have to have exceptional quickness to be able to not only get by him, but also create enough space to get a shot off without him contesting it. Because like Brogdon, for example, today, and I'm not picking on him; he's an awesome player. But he beat Maxi off the dribble a few times, but he just couldn't get enough space between him and Kleba in order to get a clean layup off. And so you have these guys throwing up like prayer shots that have no chance of going in, just hoping to draw a foul or, you know, that maybe Maxi will fall down or something. But he's just he is very, very good at doing that. Uh, and, and KP defends a little differently. You know, you're going to drop him back. You don't necessarily want him out there chasing around point guards on the perimeter the way that Maxi does for 
small spurts. You know, if Maxi had to play 38 minutes in a game, I'm not sure that he would do that. But him playing 20, 25, 28 minutes, he can definitely do that, expend that energy on the defensive end and just kind of junk up the opponent's offense. And Maxi is so good uh, at defending the rim or contesting shots without fouling. I love, I mean, I was just thinking one of those Brogdon possessions that he got past Maxi, but Maxi still, he rides their hip on there and contests a shot without fouling though. And that's, if he's not going to block, he, he plays defense so smart and contests so smart as a defender. That's why he's one of the best defenders on the team all the way around, uh, especially, you know, with Dorian. But yeah, I mean the switchability part, that that's the, that's the biggest thing for Dallas. And when you have, and you throw Boban out there and it's, it's the whole, you know, cat and mouse game of playing with Boban of, Hey, an offense, offensive end, there was that one rebound to where the ball goes up three pacers go for the rebound. Boban just pulls it down. Casually gets it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like laughing. So funny. But, but on the other end too, there was times that, you know, Indy was getting Boban in the pick and roll and they were just switching everything. And, and you know, so the game gets kind of faster. We've talked about matchups with Houston. Some of these guys who like to play small and, even for Indiana without Sabonis right now, you know, when Turner's off the floor, they're, they're going small a lot. And even Turner, I think Turner switches well uh, on, on de- defenders and stuff. And I thought Dallas settled at times when they got the switch with Turner and pulling up for jump shots and going more ISO stuff and getting out of the system a little bit. But switching, switchability is the, is the biggest thing for Dallas. And Maxi helps so much with that. But you, to to the earlier point, you're saying that you know things kind of got weird whenever Turner switched off on some Mavs. This the same thing. Ha- Dallas did the same thing to Indiana, right? If you have mm-hmm. a big like that, Miles Turner, Maxi Kleba, you know there are a few others around the league that are very good at it as well. Nerlens Noel was you know supposed to be one of those guys, and he does it to a to a lesser degree. But you know whenever you have big men that are quick like that and that are long and athletic and you know can can really move their feet. It can totally halt an offense. Dallas was cruising, man. They had 50 points like halfway through the second quarter. They were on cruise control, and then all of a sudden Indy tightened it up a little bit on defense, and it, and it created some challenges. And so going into the playoffs, especially against a team like Houston, uh, less so against like Utah, which has a really kind of you know more traditional rim protector in, in Gobert, but uh, you know Denver is kind of creative in the way that they defend pick and rolls. Uh, you know, every team does it a little differently. And so it's good to get a taste of some of these uh, strategies because you're going to have to put it on the floor come playoff time and even in the restart. Starting next Friday, Isaac, or well, this Friday, I guess. Oh, my God. We're like yeah. five days away from this, this thing. It's Friday, incredible. let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, okay. So that's a little bit about Luca, a little bit about some of the other guys uh, and, 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 and the defense. Uh, let's talk KP next. So KP missed the Indiana game. Uh, he well, not only did he miss an Indiana game, he missed it because he missed a coronavirus test. Uh, so he did not get tested on the Mavs off day, and so he had to spend 24 hours uh, in isolation in his hotel room. So KP and I have a lot in common to spend an all day inside on a weekend. Um, so he did not play in the game, and it's I mean, it's not the biggest deal of all time. It was just an exhibition game, but on the heels of that Lakers game in which he was kind of limited in terms of minutes played because he got into some foul trouble. I think he committed five fouls and only played, you know, maybe 12, 15 minutes, something like that. And now none of the starters really played a lot of minutes in that game. But still, um, you know, these are tune-up games for a reason. You want guys to get a little and, you know, get their get their lungs back and everything. So it kind of makes uh, Tuesday's scrimmage against Philly a little more important, I think, for KP 
just to, to get out there and get some really good run in. I'm sure the starters are going to – it's going to be more like a dress rehearsal, I would think, where you're going to see maybe 30 minutes. Um, so it's going to be really important for him to, to find a rhythm and, and get his lungs back in everything because he was limited in the first game and missed the second one. Yeah, you know, that report came out right right before the game that he had missed the um, his standard daily uh, COVID test. And I, I want to say it was hearing Rick Carlisle talk about it after the game. Rick went to bat for him a little bit and saying, hey, I almost missed, Rick Carlisle said, I almost missed my test in my first off day and just talked about just how the uh, the schedule's down there. It's really difficult and um, not. It, it's just a, it's a different type of setting and you have different practice times and testing times and everything. And even him, Rick Carlisle, a, a guy who is so organized and planned and everything, even he almost missed the test too. So I think uh, they, they're all talking like it's a learning experience for them. So, so anyway, Past that, basketball court-wise, yeah, I mean, this last scrimmage, he's going head-to-head with Joel Embiid uh, as long as Embiid plays in this. And uh, I think, I mean, Philly's one of the most intriguing teams in this whole thing. If you ask anybody, it's like, hey, what's one team that you're just like, whoa, what's going to happen? Philly's probably that team for a lot of people. And moving Ben Simmons to this four spot, starting Shake Milton, SMU guy, right? Shake Milton? Yep, and former Maverick. Uh, (laughs) he He was a Maverick's draft choice. He never, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that that scrimmage game is going to be a, a big game, and last one before the Rockets game, and uh, I, I think a lot of eyes will be, if, yeah, on that scrimmage game come Tuesday. The Sixers are kind of like the anti Mavs. Uh, they both play, you know, a pretty pretty unique styles. Um, both have like really really big point guards in Luca and Simmons, but uh, every everybody on Philly, I think, with the exception of Shake Milton, is like at least six foot eight or just something absurd like these guys this is like the tallest team in the NBA and then you have the Mavs that have three guys on their team that are taller than six foot seven and so it's going to be a really kind of uh I don't know they they match up really interestingly but uh Dallas has won both games in the regular season now again the results don't really matter all that much but uh you would like to you know you'd like to get a win if you can get it against Philly but yeah Simmons taking threes um, they have a I lot think, of guys that throw at Luca. I mean, if you look at two two teams across the league, are like have a lot of guys. The Clippers in in Philly, and Philly has Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, uh, Matisse, Matisse Thybul. Yeah, off the bench. I mean, they have a lot of guys they can throw at Luca. So, uh, also shout out to Luca's shoes uh, today against Indiana. Uh, they were rocking vibrant. some uh, brand new uh, PEs, which is actually you know had his uh, the Jordan thirty fours. This bright lime green that no one's seen before. Jason Tatum wore kind of a similar uh, colorway of the 34s the other day, but uh, yeah, brand new uh, player exclusive. Had the had Luca's logo on the tongue and everything. Uh, they definitely uh, stood out. I'm anxious to see what Jordan Brand has planned uh, for Luca, Zion, Jason Tatum. Those guys come playoff time. Is the lime green? I mean, it's kind of a lime green. It was more like neon or highlighter. Yeah. But is that for Slovenia? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, there. No one's ever seen these shoes before, so uh, I don't know what. I don't know if that's a Luca thing that Luca made that request. Maybe I should have asked him. Maybe after the game, like, hey, Luca, why'd you pick that color? Got to get that uh, exclusive, but, man. Come on. <laughs> but uh, but no. I mean, I, yeah. I wonder if that was a Luca thing or just Jordan Brand sending them to him since he likes bright color shoes. I, I don't know, but they look cool though. Yeah, yeah. So Tuesday will be a, a, a big watch for a couple reasons. One, can KP. Uh, get get things rolling and also what will Luca wear uh what what is kind of maybe one more 
uh, before we get out of here, just one more like takeaway observation thought. Again, I mean, you can only look as far into these games as you want, but um, you know, because they don't really count for anything or mean anything. Um, like Edmund Sumner was kind of the closer for the Pacers in this game. Now he did play great, but you know, it, it's that's not gonna be the case in the playoffs. But uh, what what kind of maybe one last thought? I just want to give uh, yeah, I'll give a shout out to Antonius Cleveland, AC. Uh, I thought, I mean, he he in a way KP missing this game. Maxi went from the bench unit up to the five spot. Bobon moved up kind of to Maxi spot. AC moves up to like Bobon spot in a way. Rick even alluded to it in post game uh, media session saying, you know, Cleveland even towards the end of the game was playing our small ball five. I mean, Cleveland's a legit like guard uh, playing a, a small He's ball like five. like six foot five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, but the dude came in, played with Luca and those guys, hit two threes in this game, 50% from behind the arc. Um, I, I just like seeing him and Reeves. He played more than Reeves in this game. Uh, as like, yeah, like I said, he played 24 minutes in this game. Cleveland did, but uh, he's just shown spurts and stuff that I like on the basketball court. And I'm happy for him to get time. And that this is going to be kind of big for them if they lose another body to an injury. Or, I mean, we all know what could happen down in Disney where a player might be out. Guys like Cleveland Reeves, they might have to step in and play 15 minutes one night and he, I thought he looked decent today. He had that really nice drive and finish against L.A. too. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. A, I think it was from DeLon Wright, uh, gave him a kick out in the left corner, and, and, and he kind of drove like baseline. And then I don't really – the TV camera angle was weird, but it looked like he like almost like video game glitched, just like jumped through two people. Uh, kind of like a side jump, but also a, like a leap forward. It was very weird, very weird angle, and then he sort of laid it in near side off the rim very difficult angle. weird spin like, too yeah I, I don't see how he did it yeah yeah because ordinarily you think oh, okay go reverse or dunk it or just like sort of like flip it up but no he went off the backboard and that's something that just a, a, a very maybe for him it wasn't casual I don't know but just a, a pretty casual example of NBA players being extremely more athletic than I will ever be in my life <laughs> like that was like such a nothing play for him and for me if I ever did that I would be like who recorded that? Like, give me the tape. Give me the tape. I'm keeping it forever. It, that, that shot might be easy if you're that high in the air, but I've never been that high in the air uh, jumping, so uh, it looks really hard for me. Get you a ladder and kind of, like, <laughs> move – put the ladder on wheels and, like, move it so that you can you can just practice it. Like, this is me. Very, very difficult. Very difficult. Okay, so the Mavs will have one more scrimmage that is coming at you tomorrow, so Tuesday – against the Philadelphia 76ers. Isaac, tip-off time for that is you're going to have to help me out. I want to say seven, but it might be eight. Uh, Ooh. We're going we're gonna to do some radio magic here, some podcasting magic. As I As open Isaac. up my calendar. Okay. 8, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Okay, so I knew. I knew, man. It's the, All these games are Eastern time. Well, they're Central time as well, and I guess they also tip off in Pacific time. But with – Every game being on the East Coast, sometimes the times are confusing. So I'll see eight and then maybe think like, well, does that mean seven or does that mean eight? Uh, and also ESPN.com, I believe only recently uh, changed tip-off times to uh, central time exclusively if you're on a central time IP address instead of like local time, wherever that would be. Anyway, all very, very fascinating stuff that I'm sure you care greatly about. But that game will tip off at 8 p.m. Uh, Central, and it will be a, a little bit of a new thing. It'll be on Fox Sports Southwest instead of Mavs.com. Shouts to Julian and and uh, the tech team for 
getting those yeah. live streams to happen. They were very cool. Um, it was. It's good to hear Followell and Hartman. It's good to hear their voices. Uh, sources report that Skin will also be on the call on Tuesday night, and so it'll be good to good to hear my old buddy again calling games. Um, any uh, any last words? Any parting shots? Anything? Can you plug uh, your numbers on the board, Pod? Y'all just had uh, a new one dropped over the weekend, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We did have a we did have a new one last week. Uh, numbers on the boards, me and Skin. We're back at it. And then also Mike Frailer, uh, if if you are not subscribed to Mavs Archives, go ahead and do that as well. Uh, Mike Frailer had an interview with Mavs legend Rolando Blackman. And when I mean when I say legend, I mean legend. Like that guy is like he's one of the most important people in Mavs franchise history, and he's also one of the coolest people ever. That guy rules. So definitely go, uh, definitely check that out as well. Um, thank you for the plug, Isaac. I really appreciate it. You're, you're yeah. such a great, you're a great co-pilot. Uh, you can hear more from Isaac on Locked On Mavs. You can read more from Isaac on Mavs.com, and you can experience more from Isaac on Twitter <laughs> at Isaac L Harris. Uh, I guess read and watch and everything. He's got a he's got a whole lot of stuff going on. A media mogul that Isaac is. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. Uh, I'm really nowhere else on the internet. I guess I'm on numbers on the boards as well. But, uh, yeah, we will be back with you. It is Mavs Daily for a reason. It is presented by the Dallas Morning News. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, uh, just go watch some Boban highlights. Just make your day make your day 10% better. Just watch, watch some Boban, and uh, we'll see you then.